Every team and every unit has a culture, either by design or by default. In order to get a culture by design, the behavior of everyone in the unit must be above the line. The way you respond creates the culture. This means you must respond with intention, purpose, and skill. And that was from Above the Line by Urban Meyer and Wayne Coffey. Very, very good book. A lot to do with business leadership and being a good team member, team player, the whole thing. And honestly, I wouldn't expect it because, I mean, I knew it was going to be good, but I wasn't expecting it to be so relatable to life, business, and all that when it's mainly coming from like a football background. Absolutely, but that's... Growing up, they'd always say football is the game of life because you can't do it without teamwork. It's like a family or a business, whatever it is. Everyone has to do their job, and if they don't, the whole team suffers from the mistakes and the setbacks. So, yeah, a lot of personal responsibility. And I feel like this past week, we've been really dealing with that in our business together, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's been a busy week. Mm-hmm. But very good. We're learning lots and making moves, and it feels really good to be on our on our way. Definitely, definitely. And I think one thing that is really important, and we talk about it a lot in the show, but also what we want to be spreading through our business, through our creative agency, for Studios Creative Agency, <laughs> is the idea that just eliminating toxic positivity in general because this is not easy people are like entrepreneur life you get Mm -hmm. to set your own schedule it's very hard we're working in a small office in the spare bedroom of our apartment that has no ac there's no ac and we're in the middle of a heat wave and we have one fan for (laughs) the whole place so it's tough and i mean it's great moments we wouldn't change it for anything we're starting a life and building one and a business all in the same process but it's just not all sunshine and lollipops yeah and you quickly realize like the wins definitely outweigh all the frustrations but i would say there's more frustrations than wins sometimes oh in the startup phase i couldn't i could it's all right (laughs) no we're gonna leave it in um it's personality but how could there possibly be more wins than headaches and hiccups in the starting phase of starting any business. It's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible unless you were given a truck and a lawnmower and you started a grass cutting business. That's really the only thing where it seems like there aren't any overhead costs or hard logistics to figure out on pricing and whatnot. But even that, I'm sure, is quite difficult. Well, it's also, it's hard to keep telling yourself we are in the beginning phases and it is going to get better and what we're doing is actually like awesome for the stage that we're at so mm-hmm. absolutely and i think if you lose sight of that people are always enjoy the journey enjoy the process and they say this while they're drinking like a 17 dollar espresso <laughs> and it's like i'm sorry if you're really in that you're re-examining all of your costs and you're making your coffee from home every single day. <laughs> and that's the reality of it, right? It's just, you can't be trying to live the lifestyle of someone who has made it when you're trying to make it. It just isn't going to work. No, it's not glamorized and it's not pretty, but it will one day. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think relating this back to culture, just based on the excerpt that we've read, it really comes down to... You know, now that we've built 
this company or laid the foundation for it when we get to the point when we're going to have to start bringing people on to join the team and be a part of it we're trying to make sure that there's a culture standard and not a buzzword one one that builds people up and that they want to be a part of and embrace all of the values that you try to embody absolutely and i think that we're doing a good job at that i believe in us <laughs> me too even though it's a little hot it is hot it's like sticky hot well, it's really hot and we have to close the window because if we record there's buses driving by yeah. our place every two minutes and our landlord is a little loud as well so. <laughs> but it's adding personality yes so well with that thank you so much for listening we welcome you back to songs for your sunday i'm mel this is joey i know we're doing this intro a little bit backwards but we've had some issues getting this one out (laughs) (laughs) today we're so happy to introduce you to isabel karitzis who is a holistic gut health coach and is inspiring women to heal their ibs through intentional living so without further ado enjoy the show I am so excited and I can't wait to dive into this conversation because we have Isabel Kuritzis on the pod today. Welcome to Songs for Your Sunday. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited because as we were talking about earlier, I am selfishly very intrigued at all the information that we're going to get from this conversation today. I Well, everybody knows from Instagram, if you follow Isabel, that she is a holistic health coach and certified in gut health nutrition and well, specializing in gut health nutrition. But Do you want to kind of go like into your backstory on how you got into this realm and went from, I mean, even if you want to dive into like where you're from and all of that, if yeah, Yeah. we can just jump right into it. I can give you the the whole 360 on my life. Um, So uh, this question is interesting because I never quite know where to start with the gut health thing because so much of what I talk about is that a lot of chronic conditions stem from chronic stress. And like, then I'm just like, let me go through all of the stressors in my life from age yeah. zero. Um, but I grew up in Washington, D.C. Um, my parents still live there. So it's one, you know, one of my favorite cities ever. Um, and I went to Virginia Tech for college. I studied business. I did the very typical... Um, I don't know for you all if this resonates, but for where I was from, this was a very typical pipeline of you graduate high school, you go to um, like a big state school, you major in business or accounting or finance, and then you get a big consulting job and you're just like kind of a cog in a machine. No offense to anybody who loves that life. Um, it just wasn't for me. And I did it anyway because it was very much what I thought I was supposed to do. Um, and that is a whole part of my story. I am a chronic doer, what you think you're supposed to do her, um, which I am working on, but, um, ended up working at IBM for four years. Uh, and I recently quit in January, January, did I quit in January? Something like that. Maybe so. March. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think I set the deadline and like really convinced myself that I was going to quit in January and then I actually quit in March. Um, but 
days and months and days of the week don't exist to me anymore because of the past year and now working for myself. So I have no idea. Um, And kind of over the course of that, doing what I'm supposed to do sort of thing, um, I developed really severe gut issues. And I, I always had Um, I was diagnosed with IBS when I was really little. I always had just kind of like your general upset stomach. Like I never just felt fully like totally good in my body. There were always foods that were going to upset my stomach. I didn't like eating breakfast. It was just kind of like off. Um, It didn't impact my life too much until I threw in a ton of big stressors, like getting a job that made me absolutely miserable. Um, uh, drinking and like blacking out five days a week in college, um, eating like absolute garbage, dining hall food, just like a ton of alcohol, Chipotle, stuff that was just really not driving with my body, but it just was what I was supposed to do because everyone did it, right? Um, and that accumulated in a really, really, really bad bout of SIBO, which is becoming more talked about um, today. But when I was dealing with it, I had never heard of in my entire life. And what it is, it's really, really common. It is the root cause of 60 to 80% of cases of IBS. And when you treat it, your symptoms go away. And like, all of a sudden, poof, you no longer have IBS, which is very defining for a lot of people in their life. Um, So I am working to create more visibility for this kind of bizarre it's not bizarre but like when you explain to people what it is it stands for small intestinal bacteria overgrowth which is like the most disgusting thing to like think about <laughs> i don't know just like it's not a cute like bacteria overgrowth in your small okay, intestine I like gotta, i mean like what yeah i gotta say that you make it look cute on instagram <laughs> that is my literal goal like i am trying to put like a cute fun like branding spin on this like otherwise sort of just like wretched topic um but the information was just so inaccessible when I was going through it. And I was in so much pain every single day to the point where there were days where I was texting my boyfriend, Ian, saying like, hey, if this doesn't get better in like five minutes, I'm going to need you to like take me to the hospital, like just in so much pain. Um, and my community on Instagram, actually, because I just was kind of in like a holistic niche, um, some people were messaging me saying, like, I think you have this thing called SIBO. And I was so resistant to that idea because I'd never heard of it. It was kind of gross sounding. Um, it made me feel like I was the one to blame for, you know, what was wrong with me. Um, and that's a whole nother story because there are so many things we can do to prevent it. Um, but it's so easy to just kind of fall into that trap. And long story short, I went to a GI, was totally brushed off and just kind of sent away with like, near lax and eat some vegetables to which I was like, excuse me, I feel like my organs are stabbing me every single day. What do you mean eat some vegetables? That's not the answer. Um, and just knew, just knew that wasn't the answer. Um, I had done my research. I'd heard about SIBO, all of this stuff. And I think she said something to me along the lines of like, what do you do? You're in technology, right? Like, okay, so I'm not going to tell you how this computer works. So how about you stop telling me about how my job works? And I was like, all right. And like left crying because I'm such a sensitive human being. Um, went to a functional <laughs> medicine doctor. Yeah. Ended up getting treated, which is amazing. That's like kind of the sort of best part of this whole story. Um, ended up getting treated and 99.9% of my issues went away. I still have IBS. I will always have IBS. But what I do day to day now is manage it and teach other people how to manage it through lifestyle changes because that is 
50% of the equation kind of when I you know mentioned there are things you can do to make sure things don't happen, not to say that it's anyone's fault that things ever happen, but there's so many different corners of the world of chronic stress and habits and lifestyle that I think need to be looked at more when we're talking about these sort of bizarre chronic. So for a little bit of context, IBS is not a disease. It's just kind of a just like if you Google it, it literally says like disorder, no known root cause. Um, doctors don't know. They're still doing tons of research on it. Uh, I'm constantly reading that research. Um, but it's a, it's something that the entire sort of medical field is trying to figure out what to do with because so many people were in my situation like, hey, I feel literally like I'm dying every day. Um, it can't just be that there's no answer. Like that just can't be how I'm living the rest of my life. So to round that all out, that's now what I help people with. Um, but I had the longest journey figuring that out and trying to figure out where it came from, how to prevent it. Um, and (laughs) now synthesize that information into Instagram posts and my coaching program with, you know, what took me years and years and years and years of Googling and, you know, crying because of mean things doctors said to me, um, (laughs) all wrapped up in like some cute Instagram posts and, you know, reels I don't know TikToks (laughs) yeah no well you're doing your job because it's like it's incredible the amount of stuff that I've learned honestly from just like reading your posts or even like the diagrams that are made here and there that it just kind of like opens your eyes a little bit more to what's out there and I was wondering if you had like a like a, a tipping point where you're like okay I need to go figure this out and like what if you've if you found that there was like certain triggers or something like that because mm-hmm. I mean for me I've I've kind of grown up and it's also making me think being like do should I be taking this more seriously because I personally I know Joey has a little bit but like I grew up thinking that it was normal to have stomach aches after meals and yeah. I always just put it off being like I'm probably lactose intolerant, probably intolerant to some gluten, something like that. I know I'm really sensitive to sugar, but that's also been like trial and error for sure. Um, But yeah, I was wondering if you had like any triggers that kind of made you be like, whoa, I need to take this seriously other than the the severe pain. (laughs) Yeah, no. So that's a really, really interesting question because I spent probably, you know, three out of the four years I was in college kind of just band-aiding things. And I was very aware of how much pain I was in. Um, But kind of just like week by week, month by month was like, ah, it's probably lactose. It's probably gluten. And like, I went vegetarian for a year. I felt really great the year that I was a vegetarian. Um, But I think that's a correlation and not causation thing. Because I, for the first time in a really long time, Um, had to be mindful about what I was eating. And I, you know, wasn't eating as much cheese. I just was like eating a lot more um, plant-based in a more like a gentle way. Um, So I was throwing Band-Aids on it for the longest time. Um, And it got to a point where I was taking off a lot of work because it would happen out of nowhere. Um, and then I started to do like a food journal and a symptom journal and the list of foods that I was intolerant to. Uh, I kept a note in my phone and it got to the point where I think it, I think I had like at least 25 things on there. Um, and IBS is a really tricky one because the foods that are most, um, you know, exacerbate symptoms the most are plant foods. So it's not like, oh, I have to remove like saturated fat or like, 
you know, fried foods or meat or sugar or like croissants. Like it's not just like be healthier and you'll be fine. Most of the triggers for IBS are, you know, things like cashews or apples or watermelon or avocado, like literal, like, a, like a d- nourishing, amazing foods. Mm. Um, and I got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm not going to eat fiber anymore. Like me and fiber, we don't, we don't hang. It's not going to happen. Um, and kind of had an introspective and retrospective moment where I was like, okay, I've gone through a list of like eliminating a whole bunch of stuff. Nothing ever really seemed to help. I now have a list on my phone of foods I know are good for me that I can't eat. And now I'm swearing off fiber. Like this is not how eating and living it's, this is, this cannot be how it works. Um, And that coupled with the, flares that I would get got to the point where they were like, they were so painful. Um, and I could feel it, you know, starting all the way at the top of my digestive system all the way until I went to the bathroom, like literally someone like just running a knife through my digestive system. It was so painful. Um, which I later learned is because of something called visceral hypersensitivity, which a lot of people with IBS have. Um, because what, if you don't have SIBO, but you just generally have IBS, the things you're feeling are going on in everybody's body. Like you're not having a different reaction to say watermelon than somebody else's. The issue is that you can feel it happening, um, which is kind of crazy, right? Because like, mm, I, don't know, I don't know if I want that level of communication with like how my organs are working. Um, it is, you know, you have a vagus nerve that is just like kind of whiny and like constantly screaming and very sensitive and always thinks, you know, the communication pathways are like a little too alert. Um, so once I was living like that, I, and I went to the GI, going to the GI was the first step because it just seemed like the easiest step. Um, I think the hardest roadblock was getting no answers from the GI and then having to like get my ass in gear and go find a functional medicine doctor. Um, and I, I don't know if I would have done that without people on Instagram, like telling me to go do that, um, which is exactly why I do what I do today because I, and you know, I don't know if other people maybe can relate to this, but I felt so resistant to helping myself and getting the answers that I needed to get. And I, I don't know why, I mean, I'm sure there's like a lot of unpacking to do there. Asking for help is really hard for some people. Admitting that you're not okay is really hard for some people. Um, and I think if you are the kind of person who just can like dissociate from your body very easily, it is, um, a lot easier to just kind of ignore symptoms and deal with it and pretend nothing is wrong. Um, so, you know, I think the tipping point was really existing in a lot of pain and everyone else around me could see it, um, and was telling me to get help, but I, for some reason, wasn't looking at it. Um, so in every resource that I have, um, you know, that my audience can consume or whatever, the first thing I always put is I don't give a shit what you do. Go to the doctor. Like you can read this post, but go to the doctor first. Um, so it's, it's, it's weird. Cause I think a lot of, um, kind of, you know, conditions work that way too, where people are just hesitant to kind of figure out what the answers are. Cause what if the answer is something really bad? Like that's a scary thought too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I got to the point where I was like, I would be happy even if this was something bad, as long as I had an answer. 
Oh, I get that. I honestly, I love that you said or opened up about the fact that it it is hard to ask for help. And that scary answer might be the reason why somebody isn't reaching out. And like for me, for example, like my mom had breast cancer and she has all of these, all of these, she, she's gone through a bunch of different things that she's basically told me and her doctors have even told her to tell me that I should be on top of the X, Y, and Z trying to get my hormones regulated and all that. And it's taken me a few years to actually be okay and be like, I need to take the first step in doing this, even if it's a really scary route. And if I might get some answers that freak me out, it's going to be better in the long run rather than like being three years down the road and be like, well, it's kind of too late. But always taking that extra step to like to put yourself first. And it's so funny to me that it's, it's, why is it so hard for us to just ask for our own help? And we would like, if I knew something that could, if I knew something that could benefit Joey, I would tell him to do it every single day. But I know that I can do stuff to be preventative for myself and I put it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's the piece like of it- the convert. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like it's what Mel was saying. It's just that thing of like, it's so easy to step out and like give advice and give help to other people. But it's like you rarely find people who take the time to treat themselves with that same kind of like empathy and understanding. And just what you were mentioning about how like doctors blowing you off when you're telling them it's like, these are the things I'm feeling like inside of me. There's no doubt of what's going on, but they still brush you off. It's like, I've had experiences like that, like not with IBS particularly, but just with like injuries from playing sports. And you're saying to the doctor, it's like, I know this is more serious than what you think it is. And they're standing there as professionals being like, you don't know more than me. Like I know what's going on in your body. And it's just such like an odd thing in the medical field where you, I feel like you really in Canada, especially because we have universal healthcare here, right? It's, you're not paying for the service. So I feel like here it's very like you can get brushed off easily with a lot of things. And then how can you complain about it? Because you're not paying for it. Right. Well, it's also like, there's so many things going on in a doctor's day, like, especially like ER doctors, if they're just like trying to get through patients and they see like X amount of people sitting in the waiting room and then mm-hmm. they're kind of just thinking like the first thing that comes to their mind, but I, I can't really talk for a doctor cause I'm definitely not a doctor, but yeah, that blows my mind that you were given that, um, that answer. Yeah. It was wild. I, it was like, I think about going back and writing her review every single day. And I don't know why I didn't, but it to have somebody in a position of authority, just gaslight you like that is one of the most unbelievable feelings. Um, and, you, you know, it totally is the reason I do what I do. Because, uh, you know, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to do more on TikTok, because it feels just like the most logical way to grow right now. But I get people commenting on my videos, like, my doctor won't test me for this. They say I don't have it, like blah, 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 all that, like just stuff that we, you know, we know research points to evidence that see like just in this case, but I, I'm sure there are so many other cases of, you know, different things like this. We know that SIBO causes, you know, the majority of IBS cases and it's something you can heal and treat. Granted, sometimes it's really, really tricky to get rid of. A lot of people have issues um, fully killing it. And I, you know, I wonder if that's why doctors are hesitant to uh, test people for it sometimes. Um, 
because the follow through with a lot of these kind of chronic stress diagnoses and habit diagnoses, yeah, we can give you antibiotics, we can kind of we can fix the thing, but if you keep doing the things that got you to the spot in the first place, then I'm just going to see you back here in six months. And I think, you know, Mm -hmm. whether that is a SIBO and IBS or like your, I don't know, you have really, really crappy running shoes and you keep running marathons in them. Like it just is, I think easier for our, you know, in, especially in the United States, I think it's a lot easier for our system to go towards band-aids and that's not to say the band-aids are bad, you know, they're very thoroughly researched, but it just, for me, that answer wasn't good enough. And I, you know, I, I think that's kind of one of the most fun parts about what I do is having people realize with me, like, oh, you know, I don't have to feel like this forever. Like I didn't know that, like I'm giving people permission to stand up for themselves um, and what they know is right or wrong in their body. And that is really rewarding. That is, that's so cool. And it kind of made me think about the, uh, like the aspect of, how do I say this? Okay. So I started thinking when, when you're saying like certain triggers, certain, obviously all bodies are different. There's always going to be different triggers for everybody. How would you explain like a, a regular stomach that doesn't have IBS compared to another stomach? Like what's going on? What's like the, I don't know if it's a chemical reaction or if it's like something, what's the reaction going on in a stomach with IBS? Like the, so it, I guess. I don't know if I want to say like the science behind it or (laughs) yeah, just, um, we already touched on it a little bit, but it is that visceral hypersensitivity. Like I said, like Mm. it is, and you know, we could get a little bit more scientific about it. We're learning so much more about the gut microbiome. There are certain bacteria that are really good at digesting carbohydrates and really good at digesting like X, Y, Z thing. And they adapt based on the foods that are most prevalent in your diet. So if you are not celiac, not gluten intolerant, not wheat allergy, you're fine eating gluten and bread or whatever, and you eat bread for every single meal, your body's going to get really good at digesting that bread. They're used to it. They're, that's their fuel source. Um, and a lot of people for that reason and for the way our food industry is today um, don't have a diverse enough gut microbiome. And that is so key. Um, but it's really hard when you have IBS knowing that um, – you're going because of that visceral hypersensitivity, you know, gas is normal. Bloating is normal to a certain extent. The thing with IBS sometimes though, is we can feel, um, you know, the bacteria eat the food that we give them, the fiber we give them, and then they excrete gas, um, which is good. Cause that's a sign of a really healthy gut microbiome. If you're like bloated and kind of farting a little after a huge kale salad, like, yeah, of course mm-hmm. you should be. Um, but for somebody with IBS, the the visceral hypersensitivity, which is our vagus nerve connects our brain to a ton of organs. It is the longest cranial nerve that we have. Um, and the signals that go back and forth are often, um, you know, like I was saying a little too loud, there are things we can do to improve vagal, vagal tone, um, like really deep belly breathing and, you know, gargling, like, <laughs> which is kind of gross because you have to do it like really, really hard for a while for it to be effective, but singing, laughing, cold plunges, all of that stuff is great for vagal tone, which really helps people with IBS. Um, Gut-directed hypnotherapy is a huge one that we're learning a lot more about. So 
the difference between somebody with IBS and somebody with a normal GI system, it could be, I think, you know, primarily one of those two things. Um, you need to diversify your gut microbiome by eating a lot more plant foods. The recommendation is 30 different plant foods a week, which includes, that sounds like a lot, but it includes grains, legumes, nuts, fruits, vegetables. So by the time you add that all up, it's not insane. Um, and improving vagal tone. But the thing I think people forget often is that IBS is a diagnosis of exclusion, meaning that, you know, it's not a disease, it's not a disorder. It's, you know, technically, I think just a disorder. Um, But it doesn't predispose you for anything bad to happen. It's just that visceral hypersensitivity and the microbiome and, you know, a combination of things. Um, But it is not like nothing is extremely wrong with you. Um, You just have to be a little bit more careful about what your body responds to. Um, And that's why I think the conversation between IBS health and gut health are kind of two different things. Um, Both, ideally, you are eating an abundance of diverse plant foods. So there's kind of of a lot to break down there depending on, you know, what part um, speaks most to you as a a listener or somebody who feels like they can relate to this story. Um, But, you know, ideally we're working towards the same goal of like as diverse of a diet as possible in plant foods and as um, de-stressed as possible, like as a general population, that's such a huge component. So would you say, would you say there's like a few things, I mean, there's obviously like a long list of things that you could do to, to help it, but are there like a few things that you would recommend or that you see helping clients, like just changing like small day-to-day lifestyle things? Um, a couple of things. And I lost my train of thought a second ago. The one thing I was going to say, it's a diagnosis of exclusion. So the first thing I would say to anyone day to day, you know, is really make sure you actually did exclude all of the things that could be causing issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of like small day to day things, like that's the big umbrella one that if you don't do that, what you do day to day is not going to matter as much, right? You need to rule out things like celiac, you know, stomach ulcer, low stomach acid, um, Crohn's, you know, IBD, like, please, please rule those things out. Once you know you kind of like, quote unquote, just have IBS, then there are a lot of things you can do daily. Um, Managing stress is number one, like totally fully number one. And I think a lot of people don't realize how stressed they are, um, which is kind of a pandemic in and of itself. So having your self-care routine and making sure that you are finding moments of calm, especially when you are eating. Like I know a lot of us eat on the go or eat while we're multitasking on a phone call, um, walking down the street here, even people eat their lunch, like running to the subway. Like it just, I mean, a while ago before all of this, um, but really finding moments of calm, getting in movement, drinking enough water. That's huge. Most, most all of the clients I talk to, I'm like, how's your water intake? And they all kind of are like, you're going to be mad at me. I don't really like it. And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> we have to do something about that. I don't care if you don't like it. We're going to figure out how to make it an easier part of your life, whether that's, you know, get a water bottle with a straw and attach it to your hip. Like you find ways to make it easy. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a, a couple of dietary things you can do there. I am 
happy to work one-on-one with my clients and give, you know, kind of lead them down the right path, but I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a doctor. So I really like to focus on the lifestyle and stress management side of the conversation because that is 50% of the equation. Mm -hmm. Would you say just in terms of like staying hydrated and whatnot? I mean, first that reminded me of my like peewee football coach he used to be like you guys need to drink water before the game he's like if you don't like water put a straw and ice in it he's like mind over matter he would always be like <laughs> mm-hmm. find a way to get it down so that was just reminded me of that but also do you see adverse effects of like heavy coffee drinkers because obviously it's like people are on the go a lot and they're yeah. just slamming that right like yeah would, coffee is a hard one it definitely has an effect on it, which I hate to say because I am such a coffee lover. And it, it, you know, for me, it's one of my biggest challenges. There are days where I wake up and I, um, coffee is a diuretic, first of all. So you are sort of depleting your water resources there. Um, but also it's a stimulant and it totally helps us activate that fight or flight mode, right? We drink coffee so that we can be like ready to attack our day. Um, in order for your digestive system to work, you need to be on the opposite end of the spectrum. You need to be in rest and digest mode. Um, Your parasympathetic nervous system needs to be activated, which is really hard to make that happen when you are like totally jacked up on caffeine. Um, Caffeine in and of itself as an irritant, you know, you drink caffeine, a lot of people immediately go to the bathroom and that's not a bad thing, but just being mindful of that is really important, especially if you have IBSD. So you're trending towards like more loose bowel movements and urgency. Um, Caffeine is a hard one. And it's one that, you know, there are subs, you can drink matcha, you can drink tea, but like, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. That's not as good as coffee. And I think yeah. Yeah. a lot of people agree with that. And not everyone agrees with that. But for me personally, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's something to be mindful of. You know, like, do you need to do half decaf? Like, what what are the little, little, I'm all about little changes and little habit tweaks and, you know, 1% better or different every single day. Um, and it's a good question because I think it is something that people are so reluctant to look at or to give up or to talk about. Like, I'm not going to get rid of my coffee problem. <laughs> like, what do you mean? It's not a problem. Um, right. But yeah, that caffeine, ca- the things that are kind of more general caffeine, fried food, spicy food, dehydration, you know, all of that kind of, mm-hmm. that's not t- too surprising. Right. And I feel like though it's just like all of the things that are just so adversely affecting the gut health and stress levels and everything. It's like the things that are completely ingrained into North American culture, like Canada and the U S it's like fast food, coffee, alcohol. It's like, you can get all of those knocked out on a Friday. It's like start the day drinking coffee. It's like after you go out and drink and then you finish off the night by eating fast food when you're drunk. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, Mm the ringer that you're putting yourself through is insane. And I think like everyone who's gone through college has experienced that. Like you go through that lifestyle for like four to five years and everyone lives it. And it's like, you see it, that change between having the home cooked meals and everything when you're in like a senior in high school to like the freshman 15 thing. It hit me hard. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's such a good point. And I think it is interesting to look at things from that vantage point, right? Because, you know, I'm not taking like status checks on all of my friends, but part of me 
when I was first going through this, I wanted to shake everyone and be like, how do you still feel okay? Because like mm-hmm. I'm dying. Um, yeah. And it's something that has intrigued me because, you know, it's either my friends have stomachs and immune systems of absolute steel or everyone is just kind of okay with not feeling okay. And I am just a lot less tolerant of it. Like either my system is extremely sensitive or I just my threshold for how I feel and the standards I have for like existing in my body are a lot higher. And I, ha- you know, I wish I had an answer to that because it's something I find so intriguing. Um, I can't imagine that everyone is graduating college, you know, feeling fully functional and tip top shape. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of marvel at whether or not that's the reality. Oh yeah. And I think, like my dad would always tell me, he's like, it's almost a blessing in disguise that your body is so sensitive to certain things because it's like, it, it, like I would eat fast food and I would, the next day I would have like a pimple in the middle of my forehead. And it's like, he would always say, it's like, that's your body telling you that that's not good for you. And you should listen to it because eventually other people don't have those, those like triggers or signs that your body is like connecting with you and telling you what you shouldn't, shouldn't be doing. It's like that catches up with people that don't have the symptoms that catches up with them through different disease, like further down the road. And with someone like me, I feel like I really connect with those little signs. Like I'm not somebody that would get a lot of acne, but I constantly would have like hormonal type of acne, like, like on my chin and stuff. So I started looking at those signs and that's kind of how I got into like figuring out my hormonal health and all of that but it's just crazy what you your body is like already telling you and just people just decide to not listen to it Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that's interesting too right because like everything that we're saying whether you feel like you have an issue or not I think really goes back to you know all of this is applicable if you feel even just disconnected from your body like get ahead of it and like you were just saying Mel like it get ahead of it so that it doesn't manifest in a way that, you know, is really impairing you from living your life in like 10, 15, 20 years, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Mm. And when I was growing up, so I had really, really, really bad eczema as a kid. And like, I would always be crazy congested. And my parents would take me to get like, whatever, like ointments, whatever, to take care of the eczema. But the thing is, we're an Italian family and we'd eat pasta and like bread, like at least three times a week, like minimum and always bread, everything. And it wasn't until I got to university where I started cooking for myself and making less of those things. And I'm like, Oh, my eczema is going away mm-hmm. and I'm not congested. I don't have like crazy phlegm like I do every morning. And it literally took that bit of taking over my own diet to realize those differences. And now there'll be times where if we go on a stint of like eating out or whatever, or making a lot of pasta, like in a particular short span, like it starts to come back and like really localized areas that were always there when I was a kid. So it's just super interesting to see how, like even just how you can be naive to those things until you really take that time to like start listening to your body and be like, Oh, it's not normal that, I'm like scabbing up in my mm-hmm. elbow and behind yeah. my knees, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that experience. I know my boyfriend was the exact 
All right. Briefly cut out. But <laughs> you were saying your boyfriend went through the same issues. Regarding- yeah. Um, and every winter would just kind of be ready for all of the flares and the skin issues. And as soon, literally as soon as we graduated um, and started living on our own and cooking for ourselves, the exact same thing happened. Um, and I think I was the one that noticed it a year later and I was like, Hey, you're not having these, these like kind of patchy, you know, dryness, all of the stuff that he was so used to. And he was like, Oh, I, I'm not, I guess. Wow. That's weird. And you know, I don't think a lot of people make the dietary correlation no matter what is going on. And I think it's, becoming way more common for people to explore those routes now, but still isn't going to be the first thing your primary care doctor tells you. And I think that is kind of this weird like apex that we're at now where people are starting to think about what they can do in their own lives to manage their issues. And so many of these things actually entirely disappear. That's not to say, you know, there's a a place for both Western and Eastern medicine and functional holistic, like what all of the stuff. Um, It just is interesting how many of these things are actually able to be resolved with like lifestyle and habit changes. Mm -hmm. That is wild. Okay. So we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but just you mentioned like the finding out the little things here and there that, I mean, you probably felt this with um, quitting your job as well, but finding those things within your lifestyle that are kind of like the energy suckers or like the givers to you. And I wanted to kind of tie that in with your ebook because you have this ebook called High Vibes, Low Vibes. That's correct right high vibes low vibes yeah and I wanted to know like what what was the what was the reasoning behind that like where did that come from did you go through a couple things that were like whoa I do not need this in my life what was what was the whole story on that I love that question because this is one of my favorite things just because it's so intuitive um a lot of people, you know, when they're offering ways to kind of like get introspective or self-care or whatever, like journal, start journaling. And for me, I was like happy to buy a pen and paper, but <laughs> what the heck am I supposed to say? Um, and it just felt really forced and weird. And, it, you know, now I love journaling, but it took a really long time to kind of get there um, and was on vacation at one point and had this pen and paper. And I was just kind of like, I don't know, I feel like I should be evaluating my life on vacation and coming back and just kind of more refreshed me. Like, what does that mean? And I just started writing down like a full brain dump of things that felt like really, really resonant in my life. Things that I, even if, even if they weren't parts of my actual day to day, like things that I was just really energetically attracted to. So like my list contained like people that I liked following on Instagram all the way down to like colors and flowers and flavors and textures and just rant, whatever in my mind was like, I like that brand. I like that thing. Like I like that texture, that piece of clothing. And the only way that I could describe that in my mind was high vibe. Um, And, you know, the things that feel just really, really juicy in your life in all areas of your life. And I was looking at this list and I was like, looking at this list makes me feel like electric. And I want to get a little bit more clear 
what is the opposite? Like, what's the inverse of that? Like what exists in my life that feels really just kind of like greasy and heavy and like dead weight. Um, And so I did a brain dump on that end too. And it was just like a bunch of other random stuff from like food to people, to things I was doing, to habits, to weird little parts that, you know, it could be like that store on the corner on this street gives me weird vibes. I just don't, I'm not going to go there anymore. Like whatever, what it could be so random. Um, and I started coming back to this exercise pretty often. I think I was in a really big place of transition. I had recently graduated college. I was working at this job, um, you know, my first job out of college, kind of starting my Instagram account, doing all this stuff that really, like, I knew there was an energetic shift that needed to happen, but, it, you know, I didn't know how I was going to get there. I didn't think it was going to be through journaling or meditating or a therapy because none of those felt like the right tool. And this was just the thing that felt like the right tool. Um, And I I started doing it just kind of whenever I felt like there were too many polarities in my life, like things that felt really, really good and things I knew I was ready to leave behind. Um, And it just turned into a brain dump. And I would draw a line down the middle of the page and on one side would be the good stuff and on the other side would be the sort of like dead weight. Um, And I did it for probably a year before I was like, huh, I feel like other people would like this too. And then I shared it on Instagram. Um, And not even a year ago, I don't think. I think I shared it exactly, I think I shared it last July. And it just resonated with so many people, especially the people who were like, I don't know how the heck to journal. Like, what am I supposed to write? Um, and you know, I, I related to that. And so a couple of months later I turned it into an ebook, um, just because it felt like there were so many different, you know, it's hard when you have a, a public platform because I, you can get like so nitty gritty with the high vibe and the low vibe. And, you know, in my personal lists, for sure, I was writing people, I was writing Instagram accounts. I was being like, very critical of what was good in my life and what was bad in my life. But I wasn't about to put those things on blast on like social media for everyone to see. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, it was kind of, I felt it a little difficult for me to convey in my captions and in my message, like, Hey, you can go deep with this. Like take it wherever, if you want to put your mom on, like do it. Like, I don't care. Like this is for you. Um, and so I felt like the best way to really sort of lead people through the exercise was to create an ebook where I list out the categories. Like I do media, I do relationships, I do, um, you know, your current self, your future self, and then along with journal prompts and just things to think about and, you know, exercises and reflections here and there. Um, and it's just like a life edit. And that to me felt like the most expansive and kind of like hitting right to the core exercise that I could do for self-improvement or whatever, feeling better about my life. Um, and it's been really, really fun. Like it's still my favorite thing to do. That is so fun. I think it's such a great way to like start your month off fresh too. And, um, I was thinking about it because like, obviously some things, like you said, like if you, if if by any reason why your mom should be on there, it might not look the best, but Mm -hmm. having that, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to use that as an example, actually. I'm going to use like, like maybe fitting into a trend or something like that, or having like having friends that probably aren't the best for you, but they look good on the outside Mm -hmm. and having all of these things in your life that are quote unquote supposed to be what you look like or what you're doing. Um, kind of like what you touched on, like going to school right out of high school and getting this like big fancy corporate job, but 
those feelings that we get when we know it might just not be right, but it's like figuring out the path on how to, to maneuver that. I know I definitely felt that a little bit, um, with the fact of kind of going through the same journey of quitting my nine to five and figuring out like what truly made me happy. And it's so hard. It's so hard to come to that decision when it's, it is like the society, the society norms and everything like that, kind of like pushing us towards certain things that might be at the end of the day, causing so much stress and so many, and like, and then you go down further in the road and it's like, what is the stress actually causing within my body? And then yeah. we could go, we could go on and on about that. So it's crazy. I wanted to, I wanted to know if you had like any, any, like if you could explain like feelings that you were getting with maybe quitting your job or anything like that, that you like felt almost those l- low vibes, low energy releasing from you when you got rid of them. The job thing is funny because if you look at what I do now and like what we've been talking about for the past, you know, hour, 45 minutes, like I was doing corporate technology consulting for the federal government. Like what, what? (laughs) Just such a contrast from what I do now. And I think now when people ask me what I used to do and, you know, quitting my job and stuff, like even saying those words to me is like, am I crazy? How did I end up there? Um, And the feelings that I, you know, for me, that was like the most obvious, like, what are you doing? You, this is so, this is beyond low vibe. This is just like the, this is just insane energetic misalignment and choice misalignment. Um, But I think, you know, and a lot of people can say like, I don't like my job. I blah, blah, blah. Um, It's, really hard to know what to do with those feelings until you have kind of like your high vibe um, to know where to go next, right? Because I think complaining and having these feelings of low vibe energy things and not having a contrast is really just a recipe to kind of be miserable, right? You need the contrast. You need to know what actually is good in order to work towards that and make those changes away from the stuff that is low vibe, no matter what that is. Um, and that's why I really like the list, right? Because let me know if you guys relate to this. Whenever something for me feels off or I feel triggered by something or something is upsetting me, I feel so compelled to dig all the way down to the root cause. Like I need to know exactly why what that person said bothered me or, you know, why I've outgrown this thing. And I, I'm just such an overthinker. Um, and I think for the high vibe, low vibe was such a good way to get clarity without having to overthink. Cause mm-hmm. for, like, I, like I, if I'm just kind of taking stock of moments in my day that feel like icky but scrambled eggs was on my low vibe list. Like I, I don't really have a good reason. I just sometimes the texture weirds me out, and it just is low vibe in certain months. Some months I love it. Like it just, it took away the need to like, like need to have an answer for every single thing. Sometimes there are no answers, and something just isn't the right fit for you. And sometimes other things just are, and you don't need to unpack and justify every single thing. And I think in our, you know, society today, like you have the job and you're like, I don't like the job. And some, you know, the first thing somebody tells you is, oh, well, like they pay you really well and you have good hours and, you know, retirement and nobody has ever, I mean, in my life, maybe this is different for other people, but very rarely is anyone ever like, 
yeah, no sweat, quit that job, go find something else you like. Like, Mm -hmm. I have never heard that in my entire journey. Maybe eventually, maybe that's a conversation after it is known for a really long time and you really need to work towards a plan, but there's so much justification needed for making changes in our lives. And I really like that that exercise is a way to kind of eliminate the, all of the justification. I think a lot of times we feel like we need to give. And for me and my job, it was just like, oh my God, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Like I was looking at the people who were above me and my bosses and the things that people spent so much time complaining about. And I was just like, I, I don't want to be this, like, no offense to them. They were nice people for the most part, but like some of them weren't. And they're at, like, I was obligated to have their energy in my life every single day because it was my job. And, you know, if you spend what, 40 hours typically a week with people who are just like energy vampires I don't know. I, I I was at the point where I was just kind of looking around and I was like, I don't care what happens. It just can't be this. Um, mm-hmm. And having that kind of high vibe list and kind of practice going for over a year at that point, two years, I think, per- privately at that point, um, I just had more direction with kind of what I knew felt so good to contrast the stuff that I was like, okay, I can say for certain this is definitely not it. Even if there wasn't like totally a crystal clear path, I just, I was able to align energetically with what I knew was bad and what I knew was good because I'd been practicing that for so long. Right. I definitely feel that personally. It's like I worked generally like blue collar ish jobs for my entire life. It's like my dad was an entrepreneur and had his own construction company. So I'd work with him. But then when I was in university, I worked like landscaping jobs with the university and it was a union environment. And I just saw, cause like a lot of people get comfortable and that's like the price you pay with a salary, right? It's like, you are now being dictated by things outside of yourself that are going to have like what you said, a great effect on yourself. And it's like, you're spending your most productive hours for the majority of the week around these people and in that environment. And I saw like lifers who loved the benefits and the salary and whatever and the security of that union job but they were you know like in their 40s or 50s and they're miserable and it's like they never like for some people it was like it's great because you get the flexibility and you can do some things outside and it's like good for their family but being a younger person I saw that and I was like there's like a price you pay for just for who I am it's like there would be a price to pay and to be like content and secure versus like listening to that thing of wanting more. Right. And stepping out into a more uncertain environment, like for what we're doing now, there was a leap that had to be taken where it was like, there's a trade-off between the security and the freedom of, you know, being your own boss and listening to the things that you really want, but having to sacrifice to get it right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like there's there's so many trade-offs that you give and that that point that you said it's like you there are sacrifices that you have to make for almost like being comfortable in a comfortable situation and there're sacrifices that you have to make to get uncomfortable but in like with everything that you go through that is a little bit more uncomfortable I think that it has a greater good at the end of it such as like um us coming or 
coming to the conclusion that we wanted to create our own company and be our own boss. And same with you. I'm sure you've probably gone through a lot of pain points and a lot of wins that, I mean, like sometimes it feels like the pain points are never ending. And then you get that one win and it's like, oh, this is the feeling that I was like, I was, I'm here for, and I keep going after it for. So I kind of wanted to ask you, I know we've chatted a little bit like through social media and stuff like with, with, um, pain points here and there, like technology issues, but wanted to know if you wanted to chat about some pain points, some wins, anything like that of like bringing up your own business now and being your own boss. Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, you guys have done such a beautiful job taking the leap. And I, you know, I think we did it at similar times. So we are probably in similar stages of like the various spirals we go through in terms of like doom and also joy. Um, Yeah, yeah. But the thing that I'm focusing on now that I think people really get sort of um, bogged down in is, you know, you can't compare your step three to somebody's step 30. And the years that it takes to get to step 30 or whatever is like an exponential curve. Like you're going to see I think very little reward for the longest amount of time and then great reward in a short amount of time after you've put in a lot of the work. And I think putting in a lot of that work in the beginning is really um, working to become a voice of authority in whatever field you are in. And that's the stage I think that we are both in. And, you know, people seeing one valuable post from you or one valuable nugget of information doesn't necessarily make you an authority, doesn't necessarily make you somebody anyone should buy from. You know, there is a lot of kind of grunt work on establishing who you are and what your message is and who you are not um, that comes with, I think, building a business. And it's frustrating to be, for me personally, in that, I I feel that I'm in that stage, even though I've been doing this for like four years. Um, You know, I haven't been consistent with my messaging throughout the entire time of having my Instagram account. I didn't know I was going to do this full time until like six months ago when I was just like, this has to be the alternative because this makes me happy. Um, And we were laughing before we started recording, right? Where I all of a sudden was like, please, close friends, don't mind me. I am now going to start using this Instagram account to actually drive business. It might get annoying. I No more mood boards, like, sorry. Um, because there just has to be that pivot of either you are an authority in your field or you are just like influencing people to buy certain brands and you have cute posts. And I think the becoming an authority voice Um, takes a while, right? And so those wins come from people who so wholeheartedly believe in you. And I just want to shake and kiss and be like, oh my God, like without you, I wouldn't be able to do this. Thank you for believing in me. I know you didn't, you don't have much to work with because, you know, I know that I know what I'm doing, but there's not much social evidence for you to believe that I know what I'm doing. So something I said or a position I hold or the way I carry myself must have really just resonated. And that's the goal right now. Like people, you know, you hope that people resonate with the way you do things and just have a, not to be corny, but good gut feeling about 
who you are and how you're showing up and what you're conveying. Um, and those wins are so juicy. Like I, like I woke up this morning and somebody had booked a one-on-one um, session with me, somebody who I don't think I've ever talked to before. And you have those moments, you know, I sat in bed looking at this email and I was like, why'd she do that? And then I had to be like, Hey, (laughs) you can't say that to yourself. You are doing your job. Of course she did that. That's exactly what you want. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's still sort of that weird, like proving to yourself that you're not an imposter and the people who don't think you are, you know, those moments may be like feel few and far between, but they really are. The winds are just like really carrying me right now. Um, even though most days are just like so mundane. So it's, right. it's kind of a wild experience, but, but I just have faith that eventually we'll get to that tail end of the exponential curve and all of the work you're putting in now pays off eventually, I think in a short period of time, but right now it's just kind of the like doing, just doing. Right. You definitely like, you can't minimize the effect of good things when they come because it's like you have to get some sort of sustenance to keep going. And I think at first there's like that first curve where it's like, Oh, I got my first follower. And then it's like, you might be what, like at a thousand or something. You're like, none of this matters. Like, what do you mean? Like there's a thousand people who've chosen to give some of their attention to the stuff that you're doing. And it's like every person that comments, like there's a real person behind that, that took the time to out of their day to be engaged in what you're doing. So it's like, you have to value everything that comes across your table, like especially in the earlier stages. And as you scale up, you'll become, you know, a little bit less connected, but you can't devalue like those little wins as they come. Like that is the stuff that fuels you to keep going, keep expanding. Right. Yeah. Without a doubt. Do you have like a, a five-year, 10-year outlook on like what no. you, <laughs> I was going to say, not, not to put you on the spot. <laughs> Do you have um, like, a, like a dream vision for Good Gut Feels? No. <laughs> um, I mean, you're, you're doing it already that. with just like helping everybody day to day. So you. yeah, I um, am, you know, I have faith that I will have that five, 10-year plan when it becomes when the right opportunities appear. But are you into human design at all? Do either of you know your human design? I've been interested in figuring mine out, but I've never actually done anything about it. And I, I know, really yeah, I have a feeling, I don't know the specific names or anything, but I know that I probably lean towards something. And But I would love to know what you think about it. Yeah, So so this just kind of helped me gain perspective on like how I'm supposed to be navigating all of this. And out of astrology, out of all of the stuff that exists, human design resonated with me the most, even though I think it's like kind of the least logical. Cause I think some guy just like downloaded it from spirits or something. And it just, like, oh. <laughs> but I resonate with the, my design more than anything I've ever, like, I feel so validated by it. Um, I am a generator, which means that and all of the specific placements in my chart, I'm supposed to wait to respond to things and not just like offer my unsolicited opinion and kind of go with what the universe presents me and act on a gut feeling. And if that gut feeling is a yes, then it's a yes. And if it's a no, then it's a no, but to really 
hone in on the intuitive part and not set deadlines and not set promises I can't keep because my gut feeling really drives a lot of what I do. And it's interesting that you asked about the five, 10 year plan, right? Because when I quit, I had like a one to two month plan. Cause I thought that's what I needed to do before I quit. Like I'm going to map out every single day, like before I quit and after I quit so that I start off on the right foot and I know what's up. Like I know how to do this. Of course, the day after I quit, I was like, oh, this plan fully does not work. The things I'm dealing with are just totally different. I could never have planned for this. Um, But slowly, 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 I feel like I'm kind of gaining clarity on what I would like that plan to look like. And I really just kind of go off of feeling, which isn't helpful if you're very type A and you really like a plan, but you know, I'm not, and my boyfriend's not either. So he doesn't particularly mind that I'm kind of just like, I'll figure it out. Um, if there ever comes a day where I can't pay rent, I'm sure he will very much mind, but it's all okay. Um, I am just kind of, you know, I think what'll probably happen is I am very much setting the groundwork right now. And I am anticipating that I will have one idea that will carry me, you know, through to September. And then at some point soon, I'll probably have another idea that will carry me through to 2022. And then at some point, I will probably have that five, 10-year idea and really clear vision on what matters to me. But right now, I just don't know. And I think that that's okay. I'm kind of trying to to be okay with that um, and see sort of what lands in my lap. Cool. And I think that it's like, there's there's so many people that I feel like having a five-year plan that it's so structured that it's like, no, I have to meet this deadline and X, Y, and Z can almost make you miss out on a lot of things that might come up in your life that present a completely different path that you didn't really know what you didn't know it was going to be in your future because you were so blinded by this other, this other thing that you had in your head. So I think that's cool. And I mean, I would say we're probably in this uh, a little bit of the same boat. We have an idea of where we want to take it, but really kind of taking it day by day and seeing seeing and appreciating like every single opportunity that comes our way is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're coming up to an hour now. I feel like that went by so fast. You know and yeah, I wanted to know just to kind of end it up, end it off and wrap it up. If you wanted to let the audience know like any little tidbits on just kind of like day to day, take care of yourself. Like maybe we're all kind of like at home. I mean, we're really at home over here in Canada, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> um, but just like little takeaways or something that you're loving that might spark some inspiration in anybody listening. Um, That's a good question. I think really the one thing I always come back to, no matter who I'm talking to and what the scenario is, is really just take it easy on yourself. And I think it's so easy for us to ignore all of the cues that our body is giving us and our mind is giving us. And and instead of waiting for it to get to the point where you're like bursting with whatever feeling it is, to really set up, you know, super micro habits day to day that allow you to get a little bit more of that peace or clarity. Like if you are a really slow morning person, you know, get up 30 minutes earlier so that you can really enjoy your slow morning versus having to rush to whatever you're doing and kind of lament the fact that you're a slow morning person, but your mornings can never be slow because you just have to run it. Like, build in time where you need the things that you do need. Um, 
even if it's like a minute or two. For me right now, that looks like getting outside. I It's finally starting to get warm here. And I, you know, a, a lot of people like going on walks and, you know, I like going on walks, but sometimes I get really kind of like anxious with walks because where, where am I supposed to walk? Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. But so something well, especially uh, in New York too. Well, yeah, like there are certain routes that I like taking and there are places I like to go. But also in New York, like if you walk more than 20 minutes in one direction, you can be somewhere that you really don't want to be. Not that any place is bad, but like for me, ending up in Midtown by all the office buildings and like stinky trucks. And I'm like, that is a low vibe walk. I don't want to end up there. Um, What I've really been practicing is just going to find a bench somewhere and like sitting in the sun and my I wear sunscreen and skincare people it's okay like we be in the sun like we are literally just there's some meme that's like we're just plants with more complicated emotions but like for me being in the sun right now and feeling the warmth on my body and just kind of like soaking that up has been my self-care and it's free and it doesn't really require too much and I always make sure I'm like not typically you know near anyone else but sitting down outside for me is what I need. And, you know, for someone else, it could be making sure you're drinking that third water bottle or like whatever, but bite off such a small actionable thing that you actually can do to take care of yourself and focus on that one thing. Just that one thing is what I would say. I love it. Breaking it down to the the simpler versions. Um, Okay. Well, this was so great to to talk to you selfishly and for the audience. I think there's so much so much good, valuable information that came out of this conversation, but let the audience know where they can find you, where they can find your ebook, any ways to work with you, any stuff like that. Thank you. And thank you guys for having me. I love doing this. An hour really did fly by. Um, you can find me on Instagram and on TikTok at Isabel Caritzis. My website, my brand, my blog is Good Gut Feelings. Um, the site is good-gut-feelings.com. Um, you can work with me one-on-one in a 60-minute drop-in. I also have an eight-week uh, one-on-one coaching program. The ebook is linked on my website. And if you are looking for a free resource to get started, I have an IBS starter kit um, that has my five top tips for navigating You know, the beginning of your gut health journey, IBS journey, wherever you feel like you may be. It's totally free. You can get it on my website. Uh, and I think that is everything. Cool. Well, I'm definitely going to be checking out that uh, top five tips because I think I need that. I think we need that. <laughs> I, I need it too. I need it. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much again. It was such a pleasure to have you on and we will, I'll probably talk to you on Instagram in the next yeah, 20 I'm minutes. Sure I'll talk to you very soon. Thank you guys so much for having me.